Welcome to Shanahan on Literacy, the site where we believe there is nothing more noble than to teach somebody to read. I'm Tim Shanahan, your host, and today we're going to get into brain science and what it has to say about the teaching of reading and, and whether it matters or not what it has to say. I received a letter from a principal. He says, uh, I'm the principal of a small primary grade school, 350 students. I want to hire a consultant, professional development specialist who could school my faculty in brain science so they'll be able to teach reading more effectively. We all earned our credentials in colleges of education, so none of us knows these new brain-based methods of teaching reading. Could you please provide some guidance? (laughs) And here's my response. It may be hard to believe, given news media reports and the numerous books that now purport to translate neuroscience into pedagogy, but there are not any new and effective instructional methods, approaches, techniques, or materials that have been developed based on brain science. Save your money. Invest in something more certain to help your school, like buying lottery tickets. Well, that's probably not much more helpful. When people are talking about teaching the brain to read, they're typically touting phonics instruction. You know, phonics, an instructional method developed in the early 19th century. Not exactly the spawn of modern neuroscience. Teaching phonics is teaching the brain. But then so is teaching word memorization. I don't mean to be cavalier here. I do understand that neurologists have identified some provocative distinctions between decoding and word memorization. We'll get to those. But let's be honest, all cognitive learning is housed in the brain. Much is made in those books and articles about how phonics is the right approach because it alters the brain. The latter claim is true as far as I can tell. I'm not a neuroscientist, so reading that research gives me the heebie-jeebies. However, it's not just phonics that changes the brain. The same can be said about any kind of learning, education, physical exercise, meditation, and so on. They all alter the brain in terms of the circuits that are formed and the brain's physical properties, such as thickening the hippocampus. So far, no instructional method has resulted from the study of the brain. Probably the best treatment of the neurological studies of the brain aimed at a general audience is the now somewhat dated book, uh, first published in 2009, Reading in the Brain, The New Science of How We Read by Stanislas Dehaene. That book has a bit of a split personality. It starts out writing checks that it can't cash and ends up getting real by the end of the book. On page two, Dehaene claims, and this is a quote, a direct quote from the book, the insight into how literacy changes the brain is profoundly transforming our vision of education and learning disabilities. New remediation programs are being conceived that should in time cope with the debilitating incapacity to decipher words known as dyslexia. Sounds great. That's the kind of assertion that leads to letters like yours. If neuroscience is leading to new ways of teaching, then teachers want to get their hands on those. But if you were excited by that page two promise, you're going to be disappointed by the practical directions that neuroscience proposes. Dehane argues for instruction and phonemic awareness and concedes that that is not a prerequisite to reading. Kids are likely developing phonemic awareness and decoding simultaneously. I agree with all of that, but 
None of those pedagogical conclusions come from brain science. DeHaan usually cites psychological studies to support those particular claims. Other insights that he shares are that kids learn complex rules or patterns uh, later than simple ones. And that repetition matters when it comes to learning. (laughs) Duh. DeHaan's own characterization of these pedagogical claims is this, and this again is a quote. A great many teachers will consider my recommendations redundant and obvious, but it does no harm to specify them. He is right. It does no harm, but let's get real. Neuroscience research can do only one of two things when it comes to the teaching of reading. One possible outcome is that it would identify a structural difference, say, between the brains of normal readers and those with dyslexia, or some puzzling neurological process, such as a circuit implicating an unexpected region of the brain. These kinds of findings could theoretically lead to the development of new assessments for the early identification of reading problems or suggestions for new and different teaching methods. Neurological science, however, has not yet led to such practical innovations. They might someday. That research should continue to be funded, but it hasn't happened so far. A second possible outcome of brain study is that it can confirm what we already know. This kind of confirmational study is more about understanding the brain than about how to teach reading. Such research offers possible explanations for why things work the way they do. These studies have revealed that when we read words, we activate visual, phonological circuits in the brain. Such observations have led neuroscientists to conclude that phonics would possibly be more effective and or more efficient than the teaching of whole words. More recent studies, studies that were not yet available to Dehane, go even further. For example, in one fascinating investigation, subjects were either led to memorize whole words with a made-up set of orthographic symbols or to decode those symbols. The decoding instruction led to neural processing more like what is observed in the brains of proficient readers. Word memorization led to processing that was more like what we do with pictures than with language. The conclusion from such studies has been that it makes sense to teach phonics. I certainly agree with that conclusion, but not because those studies are definitive or so persuasive. My assent comes from the fact that those conclusions are consistent with what psychological and pedagogical studies have repeatedly demonstrated for more than 60 years. My reasoning isn't, oh, wow, the brain coordinates both visual and phonological information when we read words. Man, I think we should try to teach kids to do that. It's more, that's cool. These images of the brain show that kids coordinate visual and phonological information when they read words. I wonder if that's why reading instruction works better when phonics is included. I advocate phonics because so many studies show that kids do better in learning to read when that's part of their instruction. I do appreciate that these neurological findings appear to be consistent with those studies of teaching. This concurrence may give me greater confidence. I might trust those instructional studies more. But it wouldn't make much difference in my practice. Of course, the instructional studies, unlike the brain studies, will also provide me with some guidance as to what the content of those lessons should be, the types of examples and explanations I should provide, the actions that students should be engaged in, their duration, and other practical specifics that are pedagogically essential if I'm to teach something. Think about it.
What if we had no instructional evidence that phonics improved reading achievement, but neuroscientists had scads of studies showing that we connect visual and phonological information when we read words? If that were the case, I would not be advocating the teaching of phonics. Instead, I'd be calling for further research to evaluate this hypothesis in classrooms, the same way such information is handled by the medical community. Neuroscientists identify unusual accumulations of plaque in the brains of Alzheimer's patients. Based on that information, physicians don't immediately start prescribing anti-plaque medications. They wait until there are medical studies showing that reducing plaque works, that it relieves someone of Alzheimer's. Despite the obvious conclusion from the brain images that plaque must cause this disease, Further study was required, and and that further study showed that plaque removal, or plaque removal by itself, is neither a cure nor a palliative. Neuroscience is largely a correlational enterprise. Scientists analyze brain images and look for patterns and consistencies. That information is then translated into hypotheses and possible explanations for how those patterns connect or underlie the external behaviors and conditions that we can see, that we we know are taking place. In reading, most neural studies have explored how children read, not how they learn to read. Longitudinal studies, for instance, have been unusual. Until recently, fMRIs could be used only with the reading of single words. Because those studies couldn't look at connected texts, they were unable to consider the impact of semantic context how ambiguous words are processed, the role of morphemes, font differences, or anything else about how we process written language. The newer studies, as they've looked at phenomena more like real connected reading, have not contradicted the explanations formulated from the images of single word reading so far, but time will tell. Back in the 1960s and 70s, there were studies that compared children who received little or no phonics with those who received a heavy dose of it. Most kids in both groups tended to learn to read, albeit with less failure, greater average achievement, and better spelling ability in the phonics groups. But what about those boys and girls who learned to read successfully without phonics? How did their brains take such different learning paths to get to the same neural processing outcome? I don't know the answers to those kinds of questions, but I do know that the explanations that have been provided so far tend to neglect variations in learning and processing. My advice to you? I wouldn't look for a consultant who knows the neuroscience, but one who has a deep understanding and appreciation of the findings of instructional study. Your teachers don't need to know how the brain processes single words, but what content, if taught, and what instructional methods, if used, are likely to be most successful in raising students' reading achievement. Except in the most general terms, teach phonics, encourage kids to read a lot, neuroscience has few practical suggestions that do any more that confirm what you and your teachers already probably know. And with that, that's my final word on on brain science and, and, and until it goes farther. If you're interested in uh, reading a copy of this or having a printed copy of this, go to Shanahan on Literacy, my website. And this uh, particular podcast and blog are going to drop on January 13th, 2024. So that's where you would find it. Uh, This one has 10 references to the research literature. So if you want to read more on this, go to the 
blog entry and and look it up uh, for that date. Uh, With that, I want to thank Greg Johnson, our sound engineer, and thank you for tuning in. Uh, I look forward to seeing you up the road of peace. Thank you.